say good evening to all of you tonight and uh, to all of you watching online, good evening. Uh, as Pastor Ron said, I'm A.J. Jackson, and I hope that this is a good word for you guys. I hope that it's the word of the Lord for you. Uh, and I'm excited to be here sharing. I want to thank Pastor Ron for this opportunity to be here tonight preaching. This is my second time preaching, so wish me luck. <laughs> um, with that, let's go ahead and pray. I'd like to pray before we start. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just give you all of the glory tonight. God, we thank you that your presence is already here. You, are already, you have already met us here, Lord. It's already been an awesome time in worship. And God, we just pray tonight that you would speak to the heart of your people. Let the, uh, the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. Oh, Lord, you are my strength and my redeemer. And I thank you, God, that you were come for your people. You would speak to your people. In Jesus' precious and mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. And the title of my message tonight is The Journey. And uh, these two words, I, I didn't get a chance to see this, so I wanted to look and see what April had did. Uh, she does so good with the graphics, and I love, I enjoy every Sunday, every Wednesday, looking at the graphics that she designs. They are so amazing. Um, but these two words came to me, The Journey. They came to me while we were on our trip of a lifetime to Israel, and they had been lingering with me ever since that trip, so much that I felt like I needed to start journaling about the, word, the journey. I felt like God wanted me to start writing about that, just write about the topic, the journey. And I meditated, I meditated on that so much throughout that, tri that trip. And so while considering what I should speak about tonight, I did think about a few things. But then, Monday night, I was graciously reminded by one of, one of our elders of the church, Pastor Luke, and uh, he reminded me about how important the journey is. We were talking on Monday, and he used the word specifically, the journey. He was talking about, he just so happened to be talking about worship in the holies of holies and how you start from the outer court, you go to the inner court, and then you, you get to the holy of holies. But he was talking about the process of that journey in between and how you cannot skip. One of the words he used is you cannot parachute into the holies of holies. You have to start at the outer court. And it just reminded me how you cannot parachute your way to the promise of God. You cannot, uh, you cannot skip, can't parachute to another part of your story. It just doesn't work like that. You must journey with God. And that's kind of how I felt in Israel when, I, when this was weighing on me, that God was saying you can't skip to the good part of life. You can't skip to the part where, okay, God, I don't, I don't want to deal with this. Let me just fast forward over here. You can't do that. You have to journey with God through every part of the process. And God was reminding me how important the journey is to him and how important it should be to you. And so that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Now, the journey with God isn't always what we imagine it to be. And it isn't always how we imagine it to be. But one thing that we can be assured of is that God has the full set of plans and God orders the steps. He has both the plans and he has the steps. Proverbs 20, 24, Mrs. Melinda shared this scripture uh, a few Sundays back and it says, A man's steps are of the Lord. How then can a man 
understand his own way. I'm like, whoa, it really hit me. Not only does God has the plans, he knows the plans that he has for me, but then he has my steps as well. How then can I understand my own way? Have you ever asked yourself, ever pondered on why is this happening to me? Or how in the world did I end up here? Why can't I have it my way? Why can't things just go the way that I want them to go? That would just be great. It's very hard sometimes to imagine that the same God who sent his son to be beaten and sent his son to be put to death would ask of us to endure a hard, a hard or a difficult thing. God is good. But sometimes God asks us to endure a hard and a difficult thing. And that shouldn't be something that shocks us. That shouldn't be something that we are afraid of. If God didn't spare his own son, why then should we be spared from suffering, anguish, or anything else? Not that God wishes that for us, like, hey, here, let me just throw you some suffering. Not that he wants that for us, but why should we also be spared if even Jesus, our Savior, wasn't spared? It's hard to imagine that God would require of us something unimaginable. I can't imagine that I would have to go through this. I can't imagine that I would have to deal with this. I can't imagine that this would happen to me. And then sometimes, I don't know about you guys, I've been in my life sometimes self-righteous, like this should not be happening to me. I've been serving God, I love Jesus, I pray, I do all what I need to do. This should not be happening to me. Good should be coming my way. Why am I not reaping what I sowed? I sowed good. Why am I getting the opposite of that? But I want to... And I hope you guys know this. I'm sure, I'm sure most of you know this. It was the plan of God for Jesus to die. Jesus was on a journey. Jesus was journeying to the cross, and it was the plan of God. I've just been thinking on that. If you really think about that, it was the plan of God for Jesus to journey to the cross. He had to die. Wow. If he did not die, you and I would not live. If he did not become sin, you and I could not be considered righteous. Jesus became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. If he did not die, the wages of of sin, of our sin, would still be death. And we would be required to pay that. It was the plan of God for Jesus to die on the cross, to be beaten, for him to suffer. Not everyone around him, not everyone around Jesus understood that this was the plan of God, especially Peter. Matthew 16, 21 and 22, it says, from the time, from that time forth, 
uh, began Jesus to show his disciples that he must now go into Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and raised again on the third day. Verse 22 says, Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord. This shall not happen to you. Peter's like, "Uh uh-uh. There's no way you are going to die. There's no way they're going to make you suffer. There's no way any of this is going to happen to you. Far be it from you. That's one of the, the sayings I actually like to use in my own life. Far be it from me. Yeah, any of these things should ever happen to me. Peter said, far be it from you. Jesus rebuked him. He said, get behind me, Satan. You are savoring the things of, of man. Peter did not understand that it was God's plan for him to suffer. It was God's plan for him to be accused. He imagined that death was not a part of this plan. Trouble was not a part of this plan. Suffering was not a part of this plan. Being taken captive was not a part of the one who came to set the captive free. How can they come and arrest you? That's not a part of the plan. Can't be. Hardship is certainly not a part of this plan. And yet all of these things served a much greater purpose. Could it be that everything that you have gone through, past tense, and everything that you are going through currently, and everything that you will go through, could it be that it's all a part of a greater purpose and a greater plan? Sometimes in the middle of that, in the midst of that, it's hard to imagine. I don't know how this is going to work out. I don't know how. But it could be that God has a plan. I believe he does. And it's greater. It's greater than what we can think or imagine. It's bigger than what we could think. Or We're limited in our, in our sight. We're limited in what we can see. We're limited in what we know. But God has the full set of plans. As I said earlier, the Lord has the full set of plans and he orders the steps. How then can a man understand his own way? How then can we question the journey? Not that you can't ask God questions. I believe that you can ask the Lord questions. But how then can you question God when he's the one ordering your steps? Are you resisting the journey? Sometimes we fight against the will of God. I have a history of fighting against the will of God. God has often wanted me to do something. I'll I'll tell you a story about when I first came here to this church in 2019. And... uh, Pastor T brought some other members, and I remember saying to the Lord, God, all I want to do is sit in the back row and be filled. Because I had been a part of a church where I was doing almost everything and pouring out and singing. and doing. I said, I don't want to do that. I just want to come to this new church, enjoy the worship, enjoy being filled. And it, it felt like God was pushing me to the front 
Like, I know that's what you thought you were going to be doing, sitting in the back row being filled, but I still need you to pour out. And I wrestled with him on it. I really did. I, I felt like I was physically wrestling God. Every day in my closet, I was praying, please, no. <laughs> I was. I did not want to, I didn't want to worship. I know that sounds crazy. I'm worshiping all the time. I did, when I first came here, I didn't want to worship. I didn't want to be a part of the worship team. I was fighting God. Please no. Anything else. Let me be a cameraman. Let me be a sound man. Let me be a something that doesn't involve me being in stage, on stage, in the forefront. And I just kept feeling the Lord push me forward. Eventually, I had to say, nevertheless, thine will be done. He was ordering my steps. Let's consider Abraham. The Bible says in Hebrews 11, verse 8, And he went out, not knowing where he was going. How then can a man understand his ways? The Bible says God told him to go, go to a place where I'm going to show you. And Abraham went and he didn't even know where he was going. What kind of faith? What kind of trust? What kind of obedience? It's like, Lord, can you at least tell me where I'm going? Can you imagine walking out of your house right now and God just saying, go? Go. Go where? No directions, no nothing, by faith, just by faith, distrusting God. Abraham had no idea where he was going, but by faith, he trusted God because God was the one ordering his steps. God was the one who had the plan. He had to trust and believe God without even knowing. God said, go, and he went. In Genesis 17, he had to trust God, not knowing how God, how he actually, how he and his wife would have a child in their old age. One thing I find interesting about the passage, I was talking to Pastor Ken about this earlier, and it's still a part of something that I'm, that I'm studying. Abraham laughed in Genesis 17 when the Lord said, I'm going to bless you with a child. Sarah laughed in Genesis 18 when the Lord said he was going to bless her. God got on to Sarah like, why did your wife laugh? And I pondered, well, why didn't God question when Abraham laughed? He laughed too. He laughed within himself saying almost identically what Sarah said. Abraham said the same thing. How am I and my wife going to have a child and both of us are well in age? I wondered, and, I, and I'm, it's something I'm studying, so it's not necessarily a part of my message, but it's just something I was pondering on. I wondered if, if Abraham laughed and still believed, and if Sarah laughed and didn't believe. Because Abraham still went and did what God said, even though he laughed. Sarah denied that she even laughed. And the Lord said, is there anything too hard from God for God? I have the plans, I have the steps, 
Another thing is God is, God is the one who makes, he provides. He's the, the provider. He's the one who works the miracle. He's the one who opens the door. Really, really all in our, in, in our life, all that we have to do is follow him and trust him and obey him. That's really all that we're required to do. God does everything else. He really does if we trust him and, and we don't go our own way. Abraham obeyed. That's all he did. God said, go, he went. Consider Moses. Consider his journey. All that Moses went through before he saw the burning bush. Consider Joseph. Joseph had a dream. And everything started to happen opposite of his dream. He couldn't parachute his way to the point in his life where his siblings were going to be bowing down to him. And he couldn't even see how it was that dream was going to come to pass. And a lot of times we mention how Joseph had a dream. It was, Joseph did have a dream, but it wasn't his dream. It was God's dream. It was God's plan. And we can say, well, you know, Joseph's brothers were evil and they sold him and threw him in a pit and lied and said he was killed. But I'm looking at it as God ordered his steps because the Bible says he was sent before them. He was sent. Who cares about the method? God sent him to preserve. Now, of course, everything that he went through was still important. The journey of everything he went through was still important. But it was God who sent him before his brother so that he could preserve a nation. That was, that was God's plan. Interesting. Consider David. He was anointed to be king. And he was running for his life. <laughs> A lot of his life. Running from Saul. Doing his best not to be killed. How am I anointed to be king and the current king is trying to kill me? He was, and he was faithful to, uh, to Saul. He was serving under Saul. Was that not the plan of God? Did the plan of God change? Did, did Samuel anoint him by mistake? God forbid. It's not just about the end goal. Mama Tina had a dream. She wanted to, to do exactly what she's doing right now. Child sponsorships program. Taking care of children. That has always been in her heart. for. But it took so long before it actually came to pass. It's coming to pass now. She's now seeing the fruition of her dream. But she couldn't skip to the point in her journey to where it just happened. And she endured so many things beforehand. All the way up until this point. 
just like many figures in the Bible, endured those same things. It's not just about the end goal. If it was just about the end goal, then we all would just, we already would be in the new paradise with Jesus. Praise God. If it was just about the end goal, why not take us up now? If God didn't just do that, that means something about us continuing on. As long as the earth remains, seed, time, and harvest, seasons will come and go. For everything under the sun, there will be a purpose and a time. There has to be something about the reason why we are still here. The journey that you are on is important. The steps that you take, they are important. They aren't just by happenstance. We are blessed to be able to have the word of God that teaches us how we can, how not to uh, go through, how not to journey haphazardly. But we can actually journey well. We can actually journey with God. This word right here teaches us how we can journey with God. There's another story I want to, I want to share with you. Because sometimes, I don't know about you, but, I, but I've thought about this. I've thought about, why can't you just do it this way? If you're God, why can't you just poof? You know, right there, there it is. Why not do it this way? We learned about this story in, in uh, Israel, and I don't have this in, in, in my notes. I was just going to do this off the top of my head. John, uh, John chapter 9, there was a blind man. Pastor Ron was teaching us about this while we were in Israel, and I thought about this. Uh, because we walked down to the pool of, of Siloam. Is it Siloam? We walked down to the pool, and it was a long walk. And it was a steep walk. And I mean, we're down in curves and all kind of stuff. And the Bible talks about, um, in verse 1, chapter, John chapter 9, verse 1, it says, Now as Jesus passed, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned that this man or his parents, who sinned this man or his parents that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I found something interesting about that passage. God said the reason why this man has been blind from birth is so that the works of God could be revealed. Now, this man was journeyed as an infant to a, a, a young boy, to a teenager, to an adult. And Jesus hadn't even come on the scene yet. But he had been blind from birth. His purpose of being blind was so that the, the miracle of God, the works of God, could be revealed in his life. God had already purposed what he was blind from. It wasn't sin. It wasn't his sin. It wasn't his parents' sin. It was so that God could be glorified. Could it be that everything that you have gone through, everything that you are currently going through, and everything that you will go through is because God wants glory? It's going to glorify him. I've just found that so intriguing. Verse 4 says, It it, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. 
The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he said these things, he spat on the ground. This is where it gets real interesting. And made clay with the saliva. My first question is, how much spit did it take to make mud? And I don't know if you've ever been spit on, but I've been spit on. It don't smell good. But I, <laughs> I love how the scripture makes it sound like it's, it's, it says, and he anointed his eyes. As if like that is so, he anointed his eyes with spit. Did it smell like anointing oil? I, I don't know. I don't know. But those are my questions. I'm like, hmm. Can't you do it another way? You, you know, spit in the mud. and uh. The Bible says it anoint, he anointed the eyes of the blind man with clay. And then that's not even where the miracle took place. You didn't just start seeing. In verse 7, it says, and he said to him, go wash. Go wash in the pool of Siloam. So we got to see, I wish we had pictures, but we got to see what it's like to walk to that pool. The Bible doesn't say that the blind man was next to the pool. It doesn't say that Jesus was so, we don't know. God sent, it says, which is translated, sent. He sent him. You sent a blind man to go wash in a pool down that same journey that we got to walk, to, to walk down in Israel. And I just imagine the frustration. If this is the one, if you are the one, the miracle-working God, why couldn't you just, boom, heal me right there? Forget the saliva and the mud. Just, you know, I, I know another story where you, you, you prayed for a man twice who was blind. <laughs> Can you just pray for me two times? You, I, you know, God sent him on a journey, and I believe that journey was testing his faith. Verse 7 says, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is being translated sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. He could see. God could have done it right then and there. But I believe that the miracle was also a part of building faith in this man, doing something in this man, not just causing him to see, but testing his faith. A blind man. Maybe God was wondering, how far are you willing to go? The Lord wants us to journey well. Not to resist the journey, not to get frustrated, not that we won't get frustrated. He doesn't want us to abort our process. God doesn't want us to, to count him out as if he's not with us in everything that we go through and in everything that we experience. And so I have four takeaways tonight. First one is the journey tests and can build your faith. This is what I believe the, the purpose of us journeying is for. It tests and it builds your faith. In Genesis 22, God tested Abraham. 
the one whom we call the father of faith. Why did God have to test him? It says, now I know. He said, go sacrifice your son. And when Abraham was getting ready to do it, then God stopped him and he provided a ram in the bush. But the scripture says, now I know you fear me. If you're willing to offer me this. The journey tests and it builds your faith. Number two. The journey builds character. Romans 5, 3 and 5 says, And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulations produces perseverance, and perseverance, character. I'm going to stop right there, because Everything that we go through in life, when we're going through trials and hard times, it produces perseverance. It helps us to endure. And that perseverance, the Bible says, produces character. And character is also important to God. I heard this saying a while back, your gifts will take you someplace, but your character will sustain you. Your gifts will make room for you, but your character will keep you. God is not just worried about all the things he could use you to do, but he's worried about how you respond, how you mature, how you act, your character, how you treat other people. Character is important. And character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint. You know? Same scripture in Jeremiah says, I know the plans for you to give you a future and a hope. God wants you to have hope. Tribulations produce hope because they produce perseverance and perseverance produces character and character produces hope. So as God builds your character, he's building a hope in you. He is that hope. Number three. The journey requires you to commit, to trust, and to obey. That's all Abraham did. He obeyed. He trusted God. Psalms 37 verse 5 says, Commit your way to the Lord and trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. Bring what to pass? His plans. Commit your way, commit your ways to the Lord. Abraham could have gone his own way. David could have went his own way. Joseph could have, you know, forget the promise, forget the dream. Number four, the journey requires you to endure. Hebrews 6 and 7, 6 Verse 7 says, and so after, talking about Abraham, after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. Sometimes in life, you just have to patiently endure. What produces that endurance? Tribulations. 
2 Timothy 2 and 3 says, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Later on, if you read down, and it talks about suffering and it talks about dying, it says, if you suffer with Christ, if you suffer for Christ, you will also reign with him. Rejoice in your suffering. It's easier said than done, but rejoice in your suffering. Sometimes we have to, to mentally prepare ourselves. We have to muster ourselves up to begin to rejoice. We have to train ourselves to look at it in a different way, to have a different perspective about it, a different perspective about it. Sometimes you have to command yourself to rejoice, command your soul to bless Jesus. He has a plan. I want you to just think on and ponder these things. Journey well and journey with God. Know that he's not forsaken you on the journey. Amen.